This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance Plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hey, this is Rob, and when I'm not busy regulating the transmission rates of our public utilities, I'm stacking Benjamins. Yeah! Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and oh boy, did I overdo it this holiday season. If you're like me and accidentally sprung for hot chocolate for the entire Glee Club after their excellent performance, I might say, of The Grinch, you might also be happy that today, coming down to the basement, we're saying hello to the man who can help cure your credit card hangover blues, Nick Clements. Plus, thinking about making some extra money on the side to help you pay down those holiday bills, we'll say hello to the ride-sharing guy, Harry Campbell. But that's not all. We'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to a lucky listener and still pony up some of my amazing trivia. You're getting all that today because it's our annual holiday debt cleanse episode. And now, two guys who could really use a cleanse themselves. Seriously, guys. Really, think about it. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. All the business of talking money. It's a sweaty, dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. I'm all sweaty, yeah. It is so tough. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our version of the gym. This is our, uh, beg forgiveness of Shannon McClay, but the uh, the Financial Gym podcast. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, I have a show money on Twitter. Shannon's going to write to me about that one. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to get a is. cease and desist letter from her attorney. I'm, I'm going to say, hey, this Shannon. This is the juice cleanse of financial Investing. podcasts. Right. Yeah. I am Joe Salci. Hi, I have a show money on Twitter. And here's celebrating hump day with me. It's my good friend, the other guy, or should we call him OG? Yep, not the fake OG on Twitter. And I am really happy about all these Geico, old Geico commercials. Have you seen the the ads for these now? No. This is brilliant. This is recreating the same content that they have and pushing it back out there. So they're showing all these old retro Geico commercials. They totally should, because they're hilarious. They're funny. It'd be yeah. like if, so Bud, Light, if and, Bud Light redid The Real Men of Genius. Remember yeah, those ones? Please. Yes. Oh, those were so yep. great. Good. How about that one? I said to that to my son the other day. He goes, Dad, what are you doing? And I'm like, What's that? He's like, You should just stop. Yeah, please, Dad. No, 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 no. No. Yeah. Like, you have no idea. Isn't that sad when your kids are like, Yeah, Dad, uh, please. Yeah, Dad, stop. You know what's cool, though? I could take a stab at making those type of commercials now with all the creative stuff I've learned at Skillshare. Yeah. Have you uh, mastered your photography lessons? 
No, I'm halfway through it. And I have to tell you, though, my photography already is so much better. I can't wait to start. I'm de- I'm developing a library of stuff that we can now put like in the stacker. We can put it in our show notes pages, like our very own our very own things. And certainly an introduction to DSLR cameras does not make me an expert, (laughs) but the fact that I know about shutter speed and aperture and ISO, I know what those terms mean and I know what they do for my camera Uh instead of just going, yeah, okay, give me the sport setting. Yeah. I want sport setting. Yeah. Action. Action mode. So, so much better. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Stacky Benjamins. They will give you, because you listen to this podcast, you lucky person, you, two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. You get a little bit free if you don't use our link, but you definitely want the two months. Sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash SB. That's Skillshare.com slash SB. By the way, different than other places, OG, where they charge you for every class, you just sign up, you pay the one-time fee. Well, first two months, you pay nothing because you know us and uh, take as many of those classes you can choke down in as short a period of time as possible. So like I went to grad school. Yeah, it's business photography. You did. You totally, <laughs> it was like you were binging Netflix. You're binging grad school. I binged grad school. That yeah. was incredible. And also, we use this in the office thanks to Slack for supporting Stacking Benjamins. Oh, man. If, All the time. I, I got to tell you, quit having 50 things open on your computer and just have Slack open. It gets rid of all of this mess of work. And instead, it's a collaboration hub that makes sure the right people on the team are always in the loop and key information is always at their fingertip. Learn more at slack.com. Great show today. Nick Clements coming down to the basement. This guy's amazing. Just, you know, you will find He's out. He's balls. Yeah, I'll tell you, I went to Nick and asked him to sponsor Stacking Benjamins. If you've listened to the show before, you know that they're one of our longest, well, they are our longest time sponsor of the show. And it's because Nick is amazing, former credit card insider. He knows all the tricks credit cards play. And what's funny is they're very simple tricks, OG. They just basically hand you the noose and let you hang yourself. And so (laughs) if you did over the holidays, he's going to take care of it. But if you think it's more money, we're also going to talk to Harry Campbell, Mr. Rideshare guy, going to stop by the basement and tell you maybe how to have a good side hustle. So we're going to help you make more money and pay off the debt today, OG. Love it going to be great. So let's get this thing started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our first headline today comes from financialplanning.com, the place where financial planner nerds like OG and I hang out. This is written by Ann Marsh. Thought you'd find this interesting. And I think, by the way, OG, our audience is going to find this mildly interesting at the start. But once we get to the what does this have to do with you, I think it's going to have a lot to do with you. FINRA proposes a rule to protect investors from arbitration exploitation. So we should explain what this means, which is if you have a dispute with your financial planner, nearly every single firm has what's called an arbitration clause saying that you agree that if you have a dispute, you go to arbitration instead of some big public hearing. And that'll make sure that uh, it stays mm-hmm. a on the down. Stays low. on the DL. Yep. Yes. The and then, uh, and then secondly, it uh, generally speaking is a little bit less expensive in terms of attorney fees and stuff for everybody involved. So, but I'd never thought there was arbitration exploitation. Like what the hell is this? Who's exploiting arbitrate? Did you know anything about this? No. Go ahead. FINRA wants to tighten the rules about who can represent clients in its private arbitration forum. To that end, it's asked the SEC to approve a new rule that will forbid so-called non-attorney representatives or NARs from taking client cases for compensation. The move follows calls from investor advocates who've been pushing the self-regulator to make such a reform. Former brokers who had been banned from the financial services industry, including some with criminal pasts, have been representing investors for years, according to a study by the Public Investors Arbitration Bar Association. I didn't know this was a thing. So I, I love get, it. Side hustle. I get kicked out of FINRA for being a bad person. Then I just I just Watch say this. Hey OG, I know how the process works. I've been through it myself. I yeah. know all about it. I will represent you for X amount of money. Unbelievable. How about that? People who are not attorneys may still represent investors pro bono. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. And investors may also represent themselves, according to a FINRA spokeswoman. 
It's a really good development, something that needed to be done, says Andrew Stoltman, who co-authored the PIABA study. These non-attorneys have been causing chaos for decades and taking advantage of investors a second time. Finner deserves credit for seeking to have them banned. Stoltman, PIABA's immediate past president, conducted the study with fellow PIABA member David Newman. Both are attorneys who represent investors in Finner arbitration, of course. They're attorneys who don't want to see non-attorneys. But but, but let's back up. But and it I, only took them several decades to solve this. Is that what that said? Yeah. And I don't need to read the rest of this. I think there's a big point here, which is when you have something as big in your life as it might be if you find that you have to go to arbitration against the firm that you're working with, why? Why would you, A, represent yourself? Horrible idea. Because you're up against people. It's it's like these people are Olympians. They do it every single day. Compared to you, you're going to walk in here the first time to an arbitration meeting. You've never done anything about this before. You you don't know anything about the process. And if you know one thing about the process, it's that once the arbitrator knows that you are an amateur, I've seen this happen way too much. They immediately discount half of what you say because they think you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. And this is just like anything financial related or legal related or medical related, any of these big life decisions, it's really important to have somebody on your side there that that kind of can walk you through it. Yeah. Non- it doesn't matter if it's your, you know, your cousin Lou says, oh, you don't need to hire an attorney. I'll tell you what. I know a lot about this process. I'll represent you. Nuh-uh. No, I want an attorney. We talking yeah, we were talking about estate planning before we started uh, recording today. And, and it always is interesting to me how I've had it happen in my life. I'm sure you've had it happen in yours too, where there's people in your immediate family who don't want to involve you in the process of making sure that it's done right, but then nominate you to fix the problem <laughs> right. that they created by Once not they pass involving away. you in this. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, I've got you, just so you know, OG, you're the one that's going to administer this. And you're like, okay, cool. Can I see how you did it? No, no, no. That's, you know, that's secret. We really don't want to discuss it. Yeah. So you basically created a, you know, a time bomb for me, but you're not going to let me try to solve it right now so I can make it easy on myself. You got to involve other people, especially with these big things. I mean, we go see uh, medical professionals. If we don't like the opinion of one, we go get a second opinion, right? So why wouldn't you do that with... Your money, or God forbid, you get into this arbitration thing. Why would you? Can you see DIY? Can you see cousin Lou at Thanksgiving dinner? No, no, no. I know all about the amphibias. I can fix that for you. You don't got to yeah. go. Just come on over to my wood shop. I got a, uh, I got a vice over there. We'll just straighten get, that baby get, right out. I can get that surgery. We can get that done for half as much. I'll only charge you half. If Cousin Lou's going to charge you half, nobody wins. Oh, that's so bad. Yeah, when I read this, I thought, who's going out and hiring these people? But I, you and I can both totally see that, can't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, think about the pitch going, oh, yeah, they don't tell you how they've been involved in the process. They say, oh, yeah, I've been involved with these FINRA things. I'm an expert at it. I'll tell you. I've been, you know, and they're already con men. There are already people that have been barred, a lot of these people, for conning people. So they're like, listen, I know how the process works. I've been through it 10 times. Not telling you. <laughs> Never won times. any of them. Always, <laughs> always. <laughs> I, I know all about it. I'm only going to charge you X, Y, Z. Just horrible. And then the investor gets swindled for a second time. It's like those new AT&T commercials. You see the one with the guy, uh, he's getting his first tattoo. And the guy goes, I am one of the tattoo artists in the county. <laughs> <laughs> he's like don't you mean one of the best he goes yeah sure or the one where the doctor walks in <laughs> yeah sure and, the, and the, the the guy's laying on the on the hospital bed and he asks the nurse he says have you worked with uh, dr smith before she goes oh yeah he's he's okay <laughs> like wait okay <laughs> and he walks in and he goes guess who's back from suspension <laughs> he's like you guys nervous They're like yeah he's like yeah me too see you in there <laughs> Yeah, me too. It's like uh, we were getting on a flight from Reno to San Francisco that took off at 11 o'clock at night. And I remember we were waiting on the pilot and the pilot comes and he's got the biggest 
cup of coffee. He's got like a big gulp size cup of coffee and his eyes are all red and he looks like he hasn't shaved in, in maybe two months. I mean, not to the point that it's a full beard, just to the point that he clearly needed to shave and decided, I don't get time for that. And so he looks so haggard. I just, I just got my bender in Reno. And he's, yes. And he's getting, he's, he just came right from the casino where he hasn't slept. And, uh, and I remember my mom and I seriously thinking, we don't want to get on this plane. Of course, did we? <laughs> Absolutely. We got on the plane, but, uh, and everything worked out fine. But you and I need to do that next time we travel, just wear pilot uniforms <laughs> and just go sit at the bar. <laughs> yeah. And then say, say stuff. Just yes. like, man, I pity the fool that's on my plane. <laughs> Boom. Probably against the law or something. Some some pilots gonna some flight flight personnel are gonna call we'll us. Get go, Don't you dare. That'll be bad. Yeah. Yeah. Bad juju. Okay. And in our second headline, get this, demand for rideshare drivers soared this year during the holiday period. And in fact, Lyft drivers earned ne- nearly thirty million dollars in tips alone in December of last year. So while you're getting your debt taken care of here in January, we've got Mr. Rideshare Guy himself, Harry Campbell, back with us. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, having me on second time. I, I really appreciate it. Well, happy new year to you. So is 2019 going to be a lot of you uh, ferrying people around your community? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I've actually been driving for Lyft since 2014. So that makes me pretty old in rideshare years. But uh, definitely the sort of flexibility in scheduling and pay, I think, uh, makes the gig pretty unmatched for anyone you know around this time of year, especially. I'm going to link to the longer interview that you and I did when your awesome book came out, Harry. But let's talk just briefly. What's the opportunity here to make extra money on the side? How big is it? Well, of course, it depends on your schedule and the base pay or, you know, sort of the average pay is around 15 to 20 bucks an hour before expenses. But beyond there, for example, in December, I know that, as you mentioned, right, lots of Lyft drivers are receiving tips. People are feeling more generous, especially with the holidays and, you know, going forward into the new year. If you are trying to get rid of some of that debt, you have the ability, you know, on a Friday night, instead of going out, you can actually go out and work for Lyft. You don't need to schedule anything. You go out and drive and then you can cash out your pay instantly using this really cool feature called Express Pay that allows you at the end of one ride or the end of the night driving, you can cash that money out. And so I use it in those ways all the time. Oh, that's really cool. So, but, but I would guess that's not just the holiday season that just ended. This might apply where people give bigger tips on days like Valentine's Day coming up. Yeah. So typically what, what I target are the busiest times and days. So New Year's Eve is a good example because it's the busiest day of the year for Lyft. But I mean, going forward into this year, Valentine's Day is great. You know, the big holidays, even the big drinking holidays are good too, right? Because you have lots <laughs> yeah. of uh, people out and about and feeling generous and, you know, needing safe rides to and from wherever they're going. Drunk passengers though. Tell me about <laughs> that because I'm sure you've had a drunk passenger too. Is that just a horror story? No, no, definitely not a horror story. I mean, I think dealing with passengers, it's part of the job. And, you know, typically what I tell people is driving for Lyft, you know, driving for rideshare, it's not the toughest job in the world, but it's a little more complex than it looks. You have to kind of understand customer service, dealing with passengers and yeah, dealing with drunk people. I've never had a real situation go awry, but I mean, I think it is important that when people get into your car, they kind of understand that you're the boss. They do get to rate you at the end of every trip, but that doesn't mean they can do whatever they want in your car. And so I think as long as you have that understanding, you can definitely move forward. And the nice thing that, you know, one of the things I love about driving for Lyft is that you, if you don't want to deal with drunk people, you can actually just drive during the days or you can drive Saturday, Sunday mornings. Uh, there's lots of times and places that you can drive where you can really kind of cater it to your schedule. And that's the one thing I hear over and over from drivers about why they continue to do it. I found a, a woman experimenting with driving for Lyft on early Sunday mornings. She came away with early Sunday mornings is not a phenomenal time to drive around. Have, have you found that sometimes or definitely better than others? I think it depends on your goals, right? If you're trying to maximize your income, Friday and Saturday nights are the best, big holidays, big events like New Year's Eve, right? Valentine's Day coming up. These are all great times, but times and places. But I think that if you care more about your schedule or maybe you have kids that you need to pick up or maybe you have babies that you need to watch, then Friday, Saturday nights may not work as well. I I actually kind of like Sunday mornings. We typically, we refer to Sunday mornings as the walk of shame rides because you have a lot of passengers (laughs) who are, you know, coming off maybe a, a tough night of drinking. They're very quiet. They're 
There's no traffic. <laughs> you know, my tip there would be to hold, you know, hold on to a bottle, a couple bottles of coconut water. That's very refreshing for those passengers. <laughs> and I typically get pretty good tips when I bust out the coconut water. That's awesome. Hey, uh, the last thing I want to talk about was over the holiday week on our other podcast, Money in the Morning. We talked yeah. about a lot of people starting to drive, getting rid of passengers altogether, Harry, and going and driving for Amazon Flex. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, packages are definitely big, especially, you know, with the Christmas holidays and everything there, you know, delivering packages and goods is popular. I think if you're more of an introvert, maybe packages or food might be your thing. But I think if you like dealing with people personally, you know, I, one of the reasons why I like driving for Lyft is because you get to interact with customers, you get to interact with other people. And I work from home most of the time. So I'm usually just staring into a computer screen. So it's nice for me to see a person on the other end instead of a burrito. Right. I know you have a ton of other resources. As I mentioned, Harry was on last year talking a lot about Rideshare, but I know that you also have a really awesome website where people can get more info. Yeah, definitely. I would love that. You know, the rideshareguide.com is a great resource. And then of course, we've got a new book out, the rideshare guide, everything you need to know about driving for these rideshare companies like Lyft. So you can check me out in either of those places and learn a little bit more about what it's like to be a driver and get that side hustle on. Harry, thanks for helping us make more money in 2019. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. Big thanks to Harry for coming down to the basement. You know, making extra money. Oh, gee. Just if you're going places any anyway, or you've got extra time, like being an Uber driver or Lyft driver just seems like a easy way to make a few bucks. You're driving around anyway. Yeah. Might as well do it. And you can do both. I know people that do both. You know, flip the, flip the switch, depending. You know, if you're somebody that thinks that you need new skills to make more money, do what uh, I'm doing right now and uh, check out Skillshare. For me, it's a way to take care of all the pieces of Stacking Benjamins that I'm not great at, starting off with my DSLR camera and photography. But then I'm looking at design. I'm looking at classes taught by Gary Vanderchuk and uh, Simon Sinek. Uh, we've got some great, great classes, 25,000 different classes on Skillshare. It's an online learning community for creators, whether it's design, business, whatever, you'll discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, creativity, and career. You know what I looked up? There's financial planning classes. So if you want financial planning basics, you can do that also at Skillshare. Lots of financial classes. So whether you're looking to discover new passion, start a side hustle, gain new professional skills, Skillshare is there to keep you learning, thriving, and reaching those 2019 goals. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with an offer just for Stacky Benjamins people. Get this. If you go directly to Skillshare, you're going to get a little time for free. Well, you're going to get two months, two months free. Binge on as many classes you can possibly take in that first two months. Two months, unlimited access, over 25,000 classes for free. Steve and I were talking about somebody needs, you were mentioning about uh, there needs to be a class on how to shake the magic eight ball, like Len last Friday. Yeah. Yeah. We were thinking maybe you could have a Skillshare class on the proper form and technique for shaking the eight ball. It's like a shake weight. Could be. (laughs) The shake weight. (laughs) That's like the best video ever. Uh, (laughs) And if you don't know what we're talking about, we're just going to leave it there. Just go look up shake weight and uh, yeah, awkward. You won't find shake weight on Skillshare. To sign up, head to Skillshare.com slash SB. That's the only way you can get two months free. Again, Skillshare.com slash SB to start your two months now. Skillshare.com slash SB. I think our big takeaways today from the headlines. Number one, make more money. Lots of easy ways, including driving delivery service like I talked about with Harry. Number two, you got important times in your life. Do not do it yourself if it requires an attorney. Please go get the professional to help you take care of things that need a professional because you're going to pay for it later. Paying for the attorney one way or the other. First time or the second time. Horrible. Waiting upstairs, one of our favorite people, Nick Clements, is the co-founder of Magnify Money. Nick is a guy that I've known for a number of years, and what a resource. Not only is he somebody who's been a former credit card insider, he knows all the tricks 
everything that credit cards have done. He also has taken that knowledge and used it on the other side to help people become much more informed about their money on their end. And that's why Magnify Money recently was sold to uh, Lending Tree. So congratulations to Nick on that. But the cool thing is Nick's still at the helm running things over at Magnify Money and today helping us cleanse our debt for the new year like he does every year. Nick Clements ready to come down to the basement. And coming down the stairs to the basement, it's our good friend from Magnify Money, Nick Clements. How are you, Nick? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. It's been a while. I know. Nothing it has, has changed. <laughs> I, yeah. Congratulations on a fantastic year for Magnify Money. I want to I ask you a question, though. As a former insider, before we start talking about the debt cleanse, why are credit card companies not our friend? It really depends, right? I'm not sure that they're not our friend. I mean, I use credit cards all the time and earn incredible rewards and flew first class to see my mother out in California using points that I had earned off of credit cards. So they can be incredible friends. I think it's really a question of looking yourself in the mirror and understanding that there's always going to be a temptation of a really large credit limit at a particularly high APR. And if you can't manage your finances and you can't pay your credit card balance in full and on time every month, the cost of that interest will far outweigh any benefit in terms of rewards and you can quickly get into a trap. And so it really is personality dependent. You know, if you're the type of person who obsesses, uses seven different spreadsheets to manage every single penny, you'll probably get a whole lot of value out of credit cards. If you need to borrow money, for a good reason, you likely will not use a credit card. So it's really the folks who just sort of lull their way, spend a little bit more than they should every single month. And next thing you know, they've got five to $10,000 at a 15 to 20% interest rate. And as a former credit card insider, Nick, though, you know some, you know some of the tricks that uh, credit card companies play, and they really can be tricky sometimes. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the trick is utter simplicity. Like, I give you the ability to spend $25,000, even though you only make $8,000 a month. Gross. Right, right. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's just, you know, I think back to like the financial crisis and you, you had Paulson talk about a bazooka in his pocket, like literally we're just giving you a bazooka and do you choose to use it or not? Right. And so for some people and for a not immaterial percentage of the population, just having the ability to go out and spend $10,000 with a swipe is the ultimate temptation. There's a lot of work around psychology of money and the pain of paying. I don't know if you've heard that concept of the pain of paying. You know, if you've got a stack of cash and you go out and shop and do your holiday shopping and you see every time you make a purchase, that stack of cash gets smaller and smaller, that is painful because you see your money physically going away. Whereas if you're just swiping, you know, you don't really feel that that pain. And you can convince yourself that, well, I'm earning cash back or rewards. And so when you remove that pain, when you when you remove obstacles to spending money that you don't have, uh, it's just a whole lot easier. There have even been studies where people who go abroad and have foreign currency, because it feels less real, that pain is diminishing. People will right. spend more than they normally will. I totally have done that myself. I remember going to Europe for the first time and thinking, oh, this is play money. And then realizing, yeah. doing the math, and I got back to the hotel, holy crap, I spent a ton of money just because I thought it wasn't real. Right. If you don't have the self-discipline to manage down to the penny, you know, the cash diet that people talk about, there's really a deep psychology behind it, which is just watching that pile of cash disappear. And there's an equivalent to that, which is just using uh, using a debit card on your checking account and setting up uh, text message alerts that give you your balance after every transaction. Most major banks will let you set that up for free. And so you might not necessarily see that cash pile diminishing, but if you're using your debit card, you would, uh, uh, and you get alerts every time you make a transaction, you see that balance getting smaller, that, that can be pretty painful. So, so that, that's really the trick. I mean, there are lots of other things that the companies will do to encourage spend and to, you know, to figure all that stuff out. But the, it's it's actually a really, really simple, simple ploy. You know, most credit limits and just do the math, right? Typically look at your credit limit and look at your, your monthly pre-tax salary. And most credit limits are multiples of your pre-tax salary, which means if you use it all, you will not be able to pay it off. And so it's really, really easy to go into debt quickly. 
And that's the temptation. Is that the first side of a debt cleanse, by the way, the first thing we have to do? It sounds like I've got to know myself because the credit card company knows who they are. They know how to get me in trouble. I mean, they, like you said, they're not trying to get me in trouble. They're just trying to look out for themselves, make as much money as they can for themselves. Sounds like job one for me is to know me. That's right. I mean, it, and it really just starts with who are you? And how do you manage? And if you really do just sort of look in the mirror, it's not going to be hard to figure out what your approach to money is, right? If every credit card that you had, you've maxed out. If you're sitting in January promising yourself that you're going to attack your debt and get rid of it, using another credit card is probably not the best path because you have a history of proving to yourself and to others that if someone gives you available credit, you're going to spend it. Now, there are people who have a very different circumstance, right, where they are managing to the spreadsheet. But, you know, and I, I was talking to someone just the other day, lost their job, was at a relatively senior level. It took nine months to get the job back. So they had a six-month emergency fund. But then, you know, in months seven, eight, and nine, um, oh, yeah. you know, working some odd jobs. But all of a sudden, you have a niggling little bit amount of debt that you never thought you were going to have because you were incredibly responsible. So like that type of person signing up for a 0% balance transfer and, and attacking it now that they're newly employed and ready to go, that's fine. But if you're the type of person who has $15,000 of credit card debt and you don't even know where it came from and every credit card you've ever had, you've maxed out, it's pretty easy to, to guess that you probably shouldn't get more credit cards is the answer. Let's uh, start there then. We got ourselves in trouble, let's pretend, at the end of the year. I hope nobody listening did that. But you and I both know there's a ton of people that do every year get themselves into trouble. What's the first step on getting myself out? Yeah, we'll get to that first step. But we actually do a survey every year, the annual holiday debt survey at Magnify Money. And and the average amount of debt added went up this year. Um, it's the biggest jump we've seen in the whatever four or five years we've been doing it. So this year, on average, uh, consumers who took on holiday debt took on $1,200, $1,230 of holiday debt. Um, and that's compared to just over $1,000 last year. Wow. Uh, and when we first started Magnify Money back in 2014, at the end of the year, we had we had done the survey and it was right around $1,000. So it had been right around $1,000 every year. And this year, it was about 1200 So. You know, you heard all the good news about uh, retail from the holiday season. People definitely were spending more, but unfortunately, those who don't have money were spending more as well. And so we saw a higher average debt number. What do you think the factor is that caused that? Was it more more days between Thanksgiving and New Year's this year in America? Was it more weekends? I guess nicer weather. It, it doesn't seem like we had a lot of problematic weather this December. Maybe a confluence of all those things. It could be. I tend to have a simpler view, which is. The economic crisis of 08 is so far in the rearview mirror. Credit over the last few years has become much more readily available. Unemployment is at a very low level. With the tax cuts out there, people are feeling better. If we look sort of in, in December, I know there's been some recent market turmoil, but you know, home equity is back, so people have that sort of wealth effect. If you're a working middle-class family and your home value is recovered and you've now had four or five years of, of good employment levels, wages starting to increase, taxes down a little, you know, you just start reverting to, to trend behavior, which is unfortunately for a good chunk of folks means borrowing more because of, of optimism. It's interesting, right? When people start to borrow in good times, that's usually a, a sign of, of optimism because I'm not too worried about taking on $1,200 of debt because I'll get a bonus next year. Things are growing. I want to enjoy now. It's actually in a weird way. It's a sign of, of optimism. Boy, that's scary. I mean, I get it. <laughs> I get it, but it's, it's just so yeah. scary. Yeah, no, I mean, and I understand having the confidence to take out a mortgage and buy a property that hopefully is an appreciating asset that will appreciate beyond the rate of inflation that you enjoy living in. But borrowing money for disposable goods that to have an immediate depreciation or gifts just doesn't feel like a great long-term way to spend that optimism. What, right. what else did you find out in your study? Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing is uh, a lot of talk about millennials and millennials don't necessarily want to take on debt because they're straddled with student loan debt and have a sort of a new healthy appreciation having come out of the financial crisis. Well, the data certainly doesn't show that because the, the highest level of debt for the holidays was actually from the millennial oh, group no. at, at over 1300 bucks. Um, they might be doing it in a slightly different way through personal loans, for example, which which is a little bit higher. But good old-fashioned credit card debt, $1,300 plus. They might not be buying houses, uh, but they're they're definitely borrowing for the holidays. 
and it's just sort of you know nothing new or shocking it's not like the millennial generation looks dramatically different this holiday season than anyone else in fact they tend to to take on a bit more debt and and the sad thing is i, I would think on average a, a millennial person just because of the fact that they're younger has uh less disposable income than somebody in in gen x or a baby boomer you know yep. that things might be tighter so what do what do i do then if i got in over my head i didn't budget i find that i'm maybe above average and spend even more than the 12 1300 dollars <laughs> on the credit card that our people did well, how do i yep. reverse that trend yeah so i mean step 1 is just a you know you've got to admit that you have a problem here. And January is a great time to do it because everyone's sort of willing to admit, oh, I eat too much. I don't exercise enough. I spend too much. So now is a good time to admit it. And then I think in January, people have a tendency or a willingness to want to embrace embrace pain. And I think really embracing that pain of paying in the month of January, shifting to an all cash or 100% debit card diet and following what you spend down to the last penny, this is not something that most people can sustain forever but in the month of january when there's there's that good intent really follow every single dollar that you have and understand where it's going to figure out what changes you can make but i think even more important than that is sort of once you figure out where all your money is going is sitting down and doing an analysis at the end of the month of your budget and you know the original debt guide that we had created when magnify money was launched we sort of split the expenditure into areas like fixed payments and so your fixed payments would be your mortgage payment your home your uh, your auto payment auto insurance things that cutting out a starbucks trip are not going to shift and you really need to understand because a lot of people will buy a house they can't afford or more likely in the last decade bought a car that they shouldn't have or can't afford and are stuck with really big car payments six seven hundred dollar car payments plus auto insurance plus you know, the, the cost of gas filling up these massive SUVs or whatever it is that they bought. And, you know, you might decide in the month of January, you're not going to go to Starbucks, but until you, you sort of rip the bandaid off and trade down in that automobile and just, just get away from that ridiculous car payment, uh, you're never going to solve your situation. So, so, you know, I, I think the two sort of big questions that people should deal with in the month of January is one, where is all of my money going? And then two, have I set myself up for failure with my big fixed expenses or not? Because that's a harder one to solve. But yeah. if you don't solve it, you're going to end up no better off six months from now. I've and met a, a lot of people who your car payment is just far too big. And no matter what you do, even if you just go to beans and toast forever, you're not going to make any progress because you're, ju- you're just spending too much money on on these fixed costs. I also like, Nick, finding out where the surprises are in your budget because it seems like a lot of time, even though we might know that those fixed costs are too big for our budget, I don't think we take into account the fact that, you know, if you've got young kids, the number of birthday parties I remember my kids went to, and there was just $50 going out the window yep. every third day. And and that stuff never ends up making my budget. You like using apps to track your budget, things like Mint or something like that, or or is it better to do that pen and paper and track it as you go? I mean, honestly, what I like doesn't matter. I think what I've found over five years now of this is, is that it's really what you as an individual feel most comfortable with. You know, I've seen some people who apps like Mint are super helpful. I've seen others who just find it unbelievably painful because you're creating category budgets down to like the last category, but it can be completely different one month to the other. And then you just get lost in this maze of whatever. So just having a stack of cash or creating multiple accounts, multiple checking accounts, and the one is all other spending other than your fixed accounts, and you just need to manage to that and not spend more than that and staring at without sort of over-budgeting. I mean, I think there are different ways you can do it. I think one test that I found useful when talking with people is at what point do you not care? Is it $5? Is it $10? And then just do a little exercise because if you don't really care about $10 and like $10 could just disappear every single day over 30 days, that's what, $300. Over 12 months, that's $3,600. Over a couple of years, you're now the average American with five to $10,000 of debt, and you have no idea where it came from because it literally was just that level of seepage. And just sort of asking yourself, at what point do I really not care? And it could be just going to the vending machine. And that's the stuff that just adds up. You need to find a way of, of putting some control around that. But I still go back to, honestly, like especially cars, in the last decade, credit has been loose for auto loans. People you know, are going out buying $50,000 cars like there's no tomorrow. 
and those are depreciating assets. The minute you drive them off the lot, they're losing value and and everything else associated with a high cost car from maintenance to I mean, th- that's just ripping people apart. And so I, I see I've met a lot of people with student loan debt and a big old auto payment. And, you know, there's only so much you can do on the student side. But sorry, the car's got to go. A blogger friend of mine told me just yesterday, Nick, telling me this harrowing story about a friend of hers who casually mentioned she's got a lease payment every month that's $800 a month. Yeah, I see that all day long, all day long. And I don't know where people got this impression that, that I should be spending a thousand bucks a month on an auto because um, that's just a tax. And, you know, the, the concept of I'm investing in my automobile. I mean, it is pure expense. You might get some of it back <laughs> when you do your trade in, <laughs> but typically people then just lever up again. Um, I, I think I told you this in you know prior year, but but there was a study out there where where they looked at folks who are sort of middle, middle class making decent salaries, which and followed them over sort of like 30, 40 years. And one group were millionaires in retirement and another group was was basically broke. And the single biggest difference between the two was their auto purchase behavior, right? If every four years you're going out there getting a $50,000 automobile, plus you know, insurance for those cars is higher, plus, 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 as opposed to someone else who goes out and buys an off-lease vehicle for 20 grand and keeps it for seven years, that is a material net worth differential over a 30-year period. And the numbers were pretty stunning. It's like the ones who went for the older, cheaper cars, kept them longer, weren't constantly trading up. It was millions of dollars of net worth difference. Wow. That's powerful stuff. But do the math. You yeah. can figure it out, right? Right, I mean, right. In your 20s and every four years you're doing 50 grand. You know, that could have been investing and growing and, you know, and all the rest. It's well, um, I was even it's not I, hard to figure it out. No, I was even thinking that just the difference. And these are both horrible options. Difference between an eight hundred dollar car payment and this woman had an eight hundred dollar lease. <laughs> just, yeah. just even the difference between those two is material over the. But honestly, of like once you're at eight hundred dollars, it's just stupid. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> so like, so like if the person feels like they made a better decision because they borrowed money to buy it as opposed to lease, I think they both live yeah. in a stupid zip code at that point. So. Yeah, I mean, I suppose if you have everything else taken care of and money's no object anymore, eight hundred fine, that's great. But, but that's no, not who we're talking why would, to. I, I still don't. I, I mean, really, not me. Like, I mean, if you want to get, if you got a ton of money, you want to go pay cash on a car and you know that it's going to lose almost all of its value and that's a tax and you can afford to go write a check for it. Fine. Go do it. Enjoy yourself. If that's where you get your enjoyment. But yeah, I mean, I, I really struggle with that one because I've just seen so many people. And I think part of it as well is the whole process of, you know, you walk onto the lot, you get upsold to all these ridiculous things. There's not a ton of transparency in that process. Now, now the good news is, you know, it's never been easier if you're looking for a deal and, you know, there are companies like Carvana out there and you can research online and you can avoid that whole pressure cooker of a dealership and, right. and do your research and find the price and plan in advance and, and, and take the emotion out of it. There are some just amazing tools out there to do that now that weren't even there five years ago. Yeah. I used uh, TrueCar for a recent transaction and boy, did that make it way easier. Yep. Same thing. Let's dive into credit cards for just a second. We're running way over. What's the best way to alleviate some of the pain of these high interest credit cards? Number one, you talked about not use them anymore, right? And know yourself. But do I go that with <laughs> Do I go with stop? <laughs> yes. <laughs> quit digging. Do I go do I go with the consolidation loan? Do I go look at zero uh, percent credit cards and then keep surfing down to zero percent when those those offers stop? Which way do you think's better? Yeah, so step one is you know, you, you write all your debts down and there's always been this battle between do I attack the highest APR first or do I attack the smallest balance? You know, mathematically, you should go after the highest APR first. But if if math was guiding all of your decisions, you probably wouldn't be in this situation. And a recent Harvard study that actually followed the the two paths showed that Dave Ramsey's snowball, go after the smallest balance, celebrate success, and then go to the next balance, actually has a much higher success rate because at the end of the day, it's personal finance, it's human psychology. Setting up your list from the smallest balance to the highest Going aggressively after those is a great way and then celebrating success. If you want to reduce the interest rate on your credit card debt or whatever debt you have, there have never been more options out there. For the balance transfer space, you can find credit cards with 
you know, no interest, no fee for 15 months. If you're willing to pay up to a 5% fee, you can get as long as 21 months. And that could be hundreds, if not over $1,000 worth of savings. It's a great option as long as you have the discipline of paying and not continuing to use. The other option, which I think is growing rapidly in popularity, are personal loans. And, you know, there are companies like SoFi, Marcus from Goldman Sachs, Lending, uh, Lending Club, Prosper that have made it really easy to go online and you can check to see what rate you can get without hurting your credit score and then pretty easily consolidate your credit cards into a, a lower lower interest rate. And the nice thing about a personal loan, and this is where I'll give a plug to Lending Tree, which owns Magnify Money, they've got a, a personal loan form where you you go out there and you know all the banks or lenders compete and and come back with rates. The nice thing about a personal loan relative to a credit card is is that if you find yourself constantly being tempted by the plastic in your wallet, you can get that personal loan, pay off your credit cards, cut up the plastic, and just have a structured payment that you make on your personal loan. The only warning I'd give to folks is you know, you're going to have a much higher payment when you go to that consolidated personal loan because credit cards have a minimum due, which is typically 1% of your principal balance plus interest, which means if actually you only pay the minimum due, it would take you 25 years or longer. But the benefit of having a minimum due is if you have a highly volatile income stream and you know maybe you're self-employed and, in, and you have slow payers, there is value in a credit card flexible payment where if you run into cash issues, you can pay less this month and more next month. Just make sure you're very confident in your ability to make the payment on the consolidated personal loan because it's not like you can just pay a little less one month, right? right. If you sign up for a five-year loan, that's the payment. So just make sure you're ready for it. And I think that's a good thing and a bad thing, right? I mean, the good piece of that is because you're held to that higher payment. You, you, once you're forced, again, absolutely. You, You'll yeah. be done in five years. Right. I mean, that is the good right. thing, right? And so I only talk about, you notice I mentioned you have commissions or you're self-employed with so, slow payers, right? Just make sure you think about that. Because I know a lot of folks, the hardest part is like of being a, working in the gig economy and all that good stuff is sometimes you have folks who pay slow and you spend a lot of your time just chasing for payments. So just really understand your cash flow and what you can afford at a maximum every month and just don't set yourself up for failure there. Because the, the last thing I'd want is for you to take out a personal loan and then you find out that you know you run into problems with that, that monthly payment. Right, right. Lots of stuff going on at the Magnify Money site. By the way, I'll link to the debt guide that we spoke about briefly here oh. on our show notes at uh, stackybenjamins.com. Nick, thanks a lot for a ton of great advice. Thank you. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and welcome to my incredible trivia. You know, while most of us take selfies and Instagrams of every darn restaurant meal we've ever taken, and we just take for granted the fact that we can get podcasts whenever we want, that wasn't the case until today's date, back in 2007, when Apple released the original iPhone. Stores reported running out of stock within hours of release. People really wanted their hands on these phones, which brings us to today's question. How much did these early adopters spend to score the original iPhone? I'll be back with your answer right after this. Big thanks to Slack for supporting Stacking Benjamins. You know, we we use Slack extensively and even more now that uh, our producer Richie is in Texarkana and I am in Michigan and that makes it so that we can have this team which is more like teams these days where we all work remotely I mean Steve is in St. Louis of course Doug is next door OG just comes for the recordings and then he's in Dallas we've got this team that spread all over the United States and it's pretty cool that Slack brings it all together so what's Slack it's a collaboration hub for work whatever you do with Slack the right people in your team are kept in the loop and the information they need is always at their fingertips teamwork on slack happens in channels letting you organize conversations and information around projects offices and teams and because everything we need to work is in one place it makes it faster and easier for us to get things done it'll make it easier for you too with slack our team's better connected you can find out more about how it helps your team at slack.com seriously the amount that i used to have to email people and now the messaging feature makes it easy and when i first installed slack i went messaging feature i really don't need that i already have messenger well we can collaborate on things like as an example a google doc and I get a notification in Slack that it's there. When we pass graphics back and forth or pictures back and forth or ideas uh, for the script back and forth, 
we can do those all in one place. It takes the 10 different tabs I had open and makes it just one simple, seamless way for us to connect. Slack has more than a thousand apps that it interfaces with. It saves us so much time, improves productivity, allows us to have voice and video calls when we're having strategy sessions, whatever it is that you do. I'm sure Slack can help you do it better like it did for us. Slack, where work happens. Learn more at slack.com. That's slack.com. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and welcome back to today's thrilling trivia answer. The original iPhone sold out in a hurry back on today's date in 2007 when first introduced. It only took 74 days for Apple to push out a million phones to its customers, which is, you know, a lot, especially considering the cost. But I'm getting ahead of myself, so let's go back over the question, shall we? Before the break, I asked you this question. What was the price of the original iPhone when it first launched? The answer? Well, you actually have two possible answers. On launch day, early adopters could either buy a whopping 4-gig model for $499 or a gargantuan 8-gig model for $599. A few months later, when people complained about the lack of storage, Apple decided to drop the 4-gig model and dropped the price of the 8-gig to $399. So generous of them. <laughs> Time for me to thank my phone for its glorious 256 gigs of space. There's a lot of room on there for comedy gold, people. Think I gotta go fill it up. See ya. Well, you got the three ninety nine. Nice job. I actually, I didn't get the first iPhone. I think I got the three iPhone three, and I still have it. As a matter of fact, Do my you? kids looked at it. They're like, "What is this?" I said, "It's an iPhone." They're like, "Huh? That's an iPhone? No, Dad." That is yeah, doesn't an anything like it. It still works too. Like if you plug it in, mm-hmm. That's I mean us. it's what like a paperweight. What are you keeping it for? Collector's item, hoarder experience. <laughs> I don't know. I want to be on the. I want to be on the TV program hoarders. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline, and we're going to tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they're going to put what you value first. Collector's Editions iPhones, obviously. They're there. And getting, and getting out of debt. Chuh. It's why they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now. You're going to get a free quote if you head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. Uh, their application is simple and online. You get an instant coverage decision. Price is affordable. They're, of course, issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual. More than 160 year old insurer. They've streamlined the entire process over at Haven Life, stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. And today we're going to throw off Haven Lifeline to our new friend, Brian. Say hi, Brian. Hey guys, here's my question for you. I took out a 401k loan because I needed to raise cash quickly for the purchase of a rental property. This is a $28,000 four-year loan with a 7% interest rate, which means that over four years, I will be paying back into my 401k account the $28,000 principal plus about $4,300 worth of interest. I have some money coming in soon and I could potentially pay off this loan very quickly. The advantage of doing so is that the money will go back to compounding tax-free as soon as possible. However, the disadvantage is that I will give up the opportunity to stash into my 401k an additional $4,300 that would not count towards the annual contribution limit which I am already maxing out every year. If I decide against paying off the loan early, then the money would be invested in a taxable account. Do you have any recommendation for what I should do? I'm just curious to see what your thoughts are on this. I don't really expect to learn anything. I'm just calling for the t-shirt. I love your show. Please keep up the good work. Bye-bye. I love it. Brian, Little does he know that this is the year that you do learn something. This, This could be. Could be the year. Don't don't yeah, make promises. Maybe. Just say this could be 2019. It could be. It's a new horizon. Okay. 401k loan. Pay it back immediately or ride that thing out. There's two thoughts here. Firstly, I would say number 1 because it's a 401k loan and tomorrow's not promised to anybody, meaning if you get laid off tomorrow, you might have to pay it back anyway. So, I would pay it off for that reason. Secondly, that whole 
you're paying yourself interest thing is annoying and not exactly accurate. So I want that paid off. You said it was a short term need because, you know, to raise money for a, a rental property purchase, if it's a short term need, then why in the heck do you want to pay it off over four years? It affects your cash flow. So all these like all these annoying reasons why you want to get it paid off. From a very tactical reason, if you took the money out of your 401k four months ago to buy the rental property, technically you took it out at a high, right? And now the market's gone down a whole bunch. Yeah, comparatively. Comparatively, right. So maybe you just get to be the person that lucked out and did this the right way. And you know, you pay four months worth of worth of interest or six months worth of interest, whatever it ended up being, but you sold higher than it is today. And you're basically just going to repurchase all those same shares that you just had, but at a much lower price. So I think for all the reasons about why you don't want to have debt to begin with. And then secondly, for just the tactical nature of being lucky today, I would pay it off before I got to the end of the week. I agree with that totally. Get rid of it. It's one less thing that you have to worry about. Market's been in your favor when you did that. So, and if you have the six hundred dollars a month that you were paying on the four hundred and one k loan, just dollar cost average that six hundred dollars a month back into an investment account, and in four years from now, you'll have more money yeah, than yeah. you do right now. So, still, still have the investment account on the outside, like he was talking about. He'd invest it in a taxable account. Just invest yeah. the cash flow that was going to pay the loan into that account. Yeah, not a big fan of the four hundred and one k loan. Just, just in general, like I get. Using leverage, I like leverage for so, is somebody else's money instead of yours. Uh, taking yeah. money out of one hand to go buy another thing, not generally uh, our favorite idea. Yeah, it's just still your money. It's I, I get that it has to happen on occasion, but but if it is in fact a short term loan, then pay it back with short term money and just be done with it. Thanks, Brian, for the question. If you've got a question for the show, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail, and that's the direct route to the Haven Lifeline. Normally, we also take a letter from the mailbag, but you know what, OG? Looking at the fact we took a little bit longer with Nick today, a little bit longer with uh, having Harry on the show, we're out of time, man, unfortunately. Time's up, huh? Yes. Maybe on Friday. Maybe on Friday. We'll do this again. Hey, speaking of time... If you're somebody that thinks it's about time that you got your professional financial planning team together, OG and his team are taking on new clients again here in 2019. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG, and uh, that will lead you to his calendar, which will set up a meeting with OG and his team about uh, how you can begin rebooting your financial picture appropriately instead of just winging it. Don't wing it. I think there's the message for the day. Don't wing it. All right. I think, speaking of wing it, we got Doug uh, starting to muscle us out of the way here. So uh, take it from here, man. Uh, What should we have learned today? So what did we learn today? First, take some advice from Nick Clements from Magnify Money. Know yourself. You know if you can handle plastic or not. By using methods of money management that work for you, you'll find your wallet fatter and your credit card debt lifting in no time. Second, looking to make some extra money to help pay off those holiday bills? Take some advice from Harry Campbell and maybe set up a side gig in your spare time. Driving people or packages around town can be a great way to pay down a few extra bucks or to save for your family vacation. But the big lesson... Don't mention the new iPhone to Joe's mom. She'll then show you her snazzy portable phone that comes in a big bag and plugs into your car cigarette lighter, has this nice pleather cover and like this antenna thing that sticks up. What year is that thing from, woman? 84? 82. Sweetheart, time to get an upgrade. Special thanks to Nick Clements from Magnify Money. Find out more on Magnify Money, including how you can wash away your debt at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Another special thanks to Harry Campbell. You can find more on Harry at therideshareguy.com or through our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at S. Benjamin's cast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and 
I just noticed it's just as dark and damp down here as Joe's soul. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Bud Light presents Real American Heroes. Today we salute you, Mr. Pit Crew Water Bottle Squirter. Mr. Pit Crew Water Bottle Squirter. In a world of RPMs and MPGs, you're all about H2O. H2O. Sure, anyone can take a car apart and put it back together again. But not just anyone can squirt water. You've got it in you. Reach, squeeze, reach, squeeze. Precision timing. One inch off and you've got a soggy driver. And a potential squeegee situation. Watch out, that's water. So crack open an ice cold Bud Light, Mr. Pit Crew Water Bottle Squirter. Because as far as we're concerned, you're not just in the pits, you are the pits. Mr. Pit Crew Water Bottle Squirter. Bud Light Beer, Anheuser Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Welcome to the after show, the part of the show that doesn't exist. You know, I love some of the stuff you see online and celebrity uh, sightings and stuff like that. Of have you ever run into anybody? Just a few times, but they were like local TV celebrities. And I uh, remember, I remember. So like yourself, basically, you ran into yourself. <laughs> ran into me. <laughs> it's like yes. Hey, me. How's it going? <laughs> they, they. Uh, oh, I know what it feels like to be you. No, <laughs> they. they I remember there was a guy and I was in maybe sixth or seventh grade and I recognized him right away. And he was this guy that went around and did like the human interest stories around the the towns around Kalamazoo. And he was mm-hmm. doing this thing. There was a camp up around the corner from my house and my brother and I are riding our bikes and we see the, we see the, the news van. And of course the guy comes out and he's talking to us because my brother and I are just watching them film and he comes over he's like hi and i said i said yeah my parents really really like you they watch channel four all the time i don't remember the channels they watch channel four all the time the guy goes well i'm on channel six but channel four (laughs) is pretty good too (laughs) nice it was like the thing that was on twitter the other day the running back from the chargers gordon no, he's taking an Uber and charges a plane in Baltimore. So he's asking the driver. He's like, "Hey, so what do you think about the Chargers?" The guy's like, "Ah, oh, Baltimore's going to kick the shit out of them." He's like, "Oh yeah, I really think the Chargers are going to." He's like going on, he's videotaping the whole thing. He's like, "Man, I really like the Chargers." The guy's like, "Oh yeah, you know they're pretty good. What are they like, twelve and two? He goes, "No, I think they're like twelve and four actually." He's like, "What do you think of uh, their running backs? Pretty good, right?" The guy's like, "Yeah, I guess so." I mean, he's like, "Well, we've got a couple couple all pros on the team there and." You know, 28, he's pretty good. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, I don't know him. He's like, no, he's really one of the better running backs in the NFL. You should, you should. <laughs> he's like, you know, listen, if you want to, if you want a good tip on this ride, you probably ought to start liking the Chargers. I, I kind of like the Chargers. I think they got a chance. <laughs> the guy's so like, all right, fine. If you want me to say I like the Chargers, I'll say I like Chargers. He's like, no, no, you got to love the Chargers. They were talking uh, Peter Frampton, you know, Peter Frampton going around doing old people tours now. <laughs> And uh, he was in an elevator. I heard this on some show, maybe Howard Stern. And he gets in an elevator and the people like are dressed up that he's in with. 
in the elevator with him. And he's like, oh, where are you going? They're going, yeah, we got these tickets to see this guy, uh, see this guy, Peter Frampton. Frampton's like, oh, I heard he's really good. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we got the tickets for my sister-in-law for free. And, uh, and you know, I don't know, really not into it. He goes, oh, I heard his show's amazing. His show's just flipping incredible. He's like, of course, because he's bald now. And if you remember, he had that long hair. Yeah. So he's like, you know, I think you're, I think you're really going to like it. He goes, I would have loved to have been sitting next to them when they saw me now, like walk out on stage and they're like, Oh, (laughs) it was him. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. 